0: July 10th, and this is the Reading Through the Bible Together podcast. My name is Blake Farley, and as always, I'm honored that you would join me for today's reading through the One Year Bible. We're going to be in 1 Chronicles chapters 9 and 10 for our Old Testament reading. As always, I'm reading out of the New Living Translation. 1 Chronicles chapter 9, verse 1. So, all Israel was listed in the genealogical records in the book of the kings of Israel. The people of Judah were exiled to Babylon because they were unfaithful to the Lord. The first of the exiles to return to their property in their former towns were priests, Levites, temple servants, and other Israelites. Some of the people from the tribes of Judah, Benjamin, Ephraim, and Manasseh came and settled in Jerusalem. One family that returned was that of Uthiah, son of Emihud, son of Amri, son of Emri, son of Bani, a descendant of Perez, son of Judah. Others returned from the Shaolinite clan, including Assiah, the oldest, and his sons. From the Zerarite clan, Jaul returned with his relatives. In all, 690 families from the tribe of Judah returned. From the tribe of Benjamin came Salu, son of Meshalum, son of Havadavah, son of Hanessa, Ibnah, son of Jerom, Elah, son of Uzziah, son of Mikri, and Musalum, son of Shephetai, son of Reul, son of ibn these men were all leaders of clans, and they were listed in their genealogical records. In all, 956 families from the tribe of Benjamin returned. Among the priests who returned from Jedidiah, Jehariabah, and Jachin, Azariah, son of Hilikiah, son of Meshulam, son of Zadok, son of Merioth, son of Ehiteb, Azariah was the chief officer of the house of God. Other returning priests were Adiah, son of Jerome, son of Peshur, son of Makalah, and Masaiah, son of Adiel, son of Jezara, son of Mahujalim, son of Mahuzula Smith, son of Imer. In all, 1,760 priests returned. They were heads of clans and very able men. They were responsible for ministering at the house of God. The Levites, who returned from Shemeshai, son of Hashab, son of Azakrami, son of Hashiab, a descendant of Merier, Bacob Horesh, Galiel, Mattiah, son of Micah, Son of Zikri, son of Asaph, Obadiah, son of Shimaiah, son of galiah son of Judaphan, and Bikri, son of Asa, son of Elikaiah, who lived in the area of Nepha. The gatekeepers who returned from Shalom, acub Talim, Ahiham, and their relatives. Shalom was the chief gatekeeper. Prior to this time, they were responsible for the king's gate on the east side. These men served as gatekeepers from the camps of the Levites. Shalom was the son of Kor, a descendant of Abisoth from the clan of Korah. He and his relatives, the Korahites, were responsible for guarding the entrance to the sanctuary, just as their ancestors had guarded the tabernacle in the camp of the Lord. Phinehas, son of Eleziar, had been in charge of the gatekeepers in earlier times, and the Lord had been with him. And later, Zechariah, son of Meshaliah, was responsible for guarding the entrance to the tabernacle. In all, there were 212 gatekeepers in those days, and they were listed according to the genealogies in their villages. David and Samuel, the seer, had appointed their ancestors because they were reliable men. These gatekeepers and their descendants, by their divisions, were responsible for guarding the entrance to the house of the Lord when that house was a tent. The gatekeepers were stationed on all four sides, east, west, north, and south. The relatives in the villages came regularly to share their duties for seven-day periods. The four chief gatekeepers, all Levites, were trusted officials, for they were responsible for the rooms and treasuries at the house of God. They would spend the night around the house of God, since it was their duty to guard it and to open the gates every morning. Some of the gatekeepers were assigned to care for the various articles used in worship. They checked them in and out to avoid any loss. Others were responsible for the furnishings, The items in the sanctuary and the supplies, such as choice flour, wine, olive oil, frankincense, and spices. But it was the priest who blended the spices. Mattiah, a Levite and the oldest son of Shalom the Korite, was entrusted with baking the bread used in the offering. And some members of the clan of Kohath were in charge of preparing the bread to be set on the table each Sabbath day. The musicians, all prominent Levites, lived at the temple. They were exempt from other responsibilities since they were on duty at all hours. All these men lived in Jerusalem. They were the heads of Levite families and were listed as prominent leaders in their genealogical records. Jael, the father of Gibeon, lived in the town of Gibeon. His wife's name was Makkah and his oldest son was named Abdabam. Jaeliel's sons were Zer, Kish, Baal, Ner, Nadadab, Gur, Aho, Zechar, and Mikloth. Mikloth was the father of Shimeon. All these families lived near each other in Jerusalem. Ner was the father of Kish. Kish was the father of Saul. Saul was the father of Jonathan, Malachi, Ananadab, and Eshbael. Jonathan was the father of Meribel Baal. Meribel Baal was the father of Micah. The son of Micah were Piton, Meliak, Tyrer, and Ahaz. Ahaz was the father of Jada. Jada was the father of Ahimez. Azimeth and Zimri. Zimri was the father of Moza. Moza was the father of Benaiah. Benaiah's son was Raphiah. Raphiah's son was Elash. Elash's son was Aziel. Aziel had six sons whose names were Azekarim, Boker, Ishmael, Sharia, Obadiah, and Heniah. These were the sons of Aziel. That concludes chapter 9, moving into chapter 10, verse 1. Now, the Philistines attacked Israel, and the men of Israel fled before them. Many were slaughtered on the slopes of Mount Gilboa. The Philistines closed in on Saul and his sons, and they killed three of his sons, Jonathan, Aminadab, and Malchishua. The fighting grew very fierce around Paul, and the Philistine archers caught up with him and wounded him. Saul groaned to his armor-bearer, Take your sword and kill me before these pagan Philistines come to taunt and torture me. But his armor-bearer was afraid and would not do it, so Saul took his own sword and fell on it. When his armor-bearer realized that Saul was dead, he fell on his own sword and died. So Saul and his three sons died there together, bringing his dynasty to an end. When all the Israelites in Jezreel Valley saw that their army had fled and that Saul had had and his sons were dead, they abandoned their towns and fled. So the Philistines moved in and occupied their towns. The next day, when the Philistines went out to strip the dead, they found the bodies of Saul and his sons on Mount Gilboa. So they stripped off Saul's armor and cut off his head. Then they proclaimed the good news of Saul's death before their idols and to the people throughout the land of Philistilia. They placed his armor in the temple of their gods, and they fastened his head to the temple of Dagon. But when everyone in Jabesh Gilead heard about everything the Philistines had done to Saul, all their mighty warriors brought the bodies of Saul and his sons back to Jabesh. Then they buried their bones beneath the great tree at Jabesh, and they fasted for seven days. So Saul died because he was unfaithful to the Lord. He failed to obey the Lord's command, and he even consulted a medium instead of asking the Lord for guidance. So the Lord killed him and turned the kingdom over to David, son of Jesse. And that concludes our Old Testament reading for today. And by the way, that's the same thing we all do. We're all Saul, right? Uh, we're, We're unfaithful to the Lord. And you might say, I'm a pretty good person, and you might be a pretty good person, but my... That would be that you're not perfect, that you haven't obeyed the Lord's command in every way. And it says, uh, Saul even consulted a medium, and we say, well, we haven't done that. Well, no, we're, we're much more sophisticated about what our medium is. We listen to culture, we listen to celebrities, we listen to uh, our intuition, our passion, and we let those things guide us instead of allowing God to guide us, which is the original sin in the garden. Adam and Eve, what did they do? They took from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Uh, instead of allowing God to give them that wisdom. Really interesting. Um, so, so what are we going to do? Because it says, so the Lord killed him. We deserve death for our sin. Well, we, we need somebody to come and save us, and that's what this whole Bible is about. The one who would come, named Jesus, the Jewish Messiah, the one who would live the righteous life, I could not live, you could not live. The one who, in every way, asked for the Lord's guidance and not his own guidance. In fact, he says, not my will, but your will, Lord. And then he goes to the cross and he pours out his blood. Why? Well, we deserve death. And because we deserve death, uh, only one who could deserve life could take that death for us. And that's what he did. He deserved life. He gave us what he deserved, eternal life, by trusting in him. And the way that is made possible is because he died. He poured out his blood. And then on the third day, put an exclamation point on it. New creation bursting forth. He rose again. This is the gospel. And if we trust in Jesus and what he's done, then we get to share in that same resurrection. And we have a future hope that is yet to come, that Jesus will return. And all that have died will be rose again. The world will be made to right. There will be no more sin, sickness, or death. And we will worship under the kingdom of God and God alone. And we get to begin that now. It's already, but not yet. The good news is we get to follow God, follow Jesus right now on earth as people who trust in him. And there's a little bit of heaven on earth as we wait until the day that Jesus fully culminates it. And we see that here in the Old Testament. Uh, already being foreshadowed. Now, moving on to the New Testament. Our New Testament reading is Acts chapter 27, verses 21 through 44. Acts 27, verse 21. No one had eaten for a long time. Finally, Paul called the crew together and said, Men, you should have listened to me in the first place and not left Crete. You would have avoided all this damage and loss. But take courage. None of you will lose your lives, even though the ship will go down. For last night an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve stood beside me, and he said, Don't be afraid, Paul, for you will surely stand trial before Caesar. What's more, God in his goodness has granted safety to everyone sailing with you. So take courage, for I believe God, and it will be just as he said. But we will be shipwrecked on an island. Verse 27. About midnight on the fourteenth night of the storm, as we were being driven across the Sea of Adria. The sailors sensed land was near. They dropped a weight line and found that the water was 120 feet deep. But a little later, they measured again and found it was only 90 feet deep. At this rate, they were afraid we would soon be driven against the rocks along the shore. So they threw out four anchors from the back of the ship and prayed for daylight. Then the sailors tried to abandon the ship. They lowered the lifeboat as though they were going to put out anchors from the front of the ship. But Paul said to the commanding officers and soldiers, You will all die unless the sailors stay aboard. So the soldiers cut the ropes to the lifeboat and let it drift away. Just as day was dawning, Paul urged everyone to eat. You have been so worried that you haven't touched food for two weeks, he said. Please eat something now for your own good, for not a hair on your heads will perish. Then he took some bread and gave thanks to God before them all and broke off a piece and ate it. Then everyone was encouraged and began to eat all 276 of us who were on board. After eating, the crew lightened the ship further by throwing the cargo of wheat overboard. When morning dawned, they didn't recognize the coastline, but they saw a bay with a beach and wondered if they could get to shore by running the ship aground. So they cut off the anchors and left them in the sea. Then they lowered the rudders, raised the foresail, and headed toward shore. But they hit a shoal and ran the ship aground too soon. The bow of the ship struck fast, while the stern was repeatedly smashed by the force of the waves and began to break apart. The soldiers wanted to kill the prisoners to make sure they didn't swim ashore and escape, but the commanding officer wanted to spare Paul, so he didn't let them carry out their plan. Then he ordered all who could swim to jump overboard first and make for land. The others held on to the planks or debris from the broken ship, so everyone escaped safely to shore. That concludes the New Testament reading. Moving on to our Proverbs of the day. It's Proverbs chapter 18, verses 23 and 24. The poor plead for mercy, the rich answer with insults. There are friends who destroy each other, but a real friend sticks closer than a brother. And finally, we'll read Psalm 8 with a posture of prayer. This is the eighth Psalm. For the choir director, a Psalm of David to be accompanied by a stringed instrument. O Lord, our Lord, your majestic name fills the earth. Your glory is higher than the heavens. You have taught children and infants to tell of your strength, silencing your enemies and all who oppose you. When I look at the night sky and see the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars you set in place, what are mere mortals that you should think about them, human beings that you should care for them? Yet you made them only a little lower than God and crowned them with glory and honor. You gave them charge of everything you made, putting all things under their authority. The flocks and the herds and all the wild animals, the birds in the sky, the fish in the sea, and everything that swims the ocean currents. O Lord, our Lord, your majestic name fills the earth. Yes, Lord, we thank you for uh, the way that you love us and the way that you use us and uh, that we get to uniquely bear your image to the world. Lord, just pray that uh, today everybody would find hope in that gospel message that was preached through the Old Testament today that we would trust in you and what you have done for us through your son, Jesus. It is in your name I pray. Amen. Thank you for joining me for today's reading. Hope to see you back here tomorrow as we continue our journey reading through the Bible together.